0: Good evening and welcome to NTD News. I'm Stephanie Cox, here are today's top stories. The US Navy veteran who was kidnapped by the Taliban in 2020 has finally been released. He was exchanged in a prisoner swap for a senior Taliban member. President Biden's 2024 plans, plus his take on the pandemic and on Taiwan. How some of his remarks depart from what the White House has been saying. A law firm has accused Florida Governor Ron DeSantis of breaking criminal laws by flying illegal immigrants to Martha's Vineyard. Among the last of Congress's priorities ahead of the midterms is to change the way electoral votes are tallied. Authors of a new House bill say it's meant to prevent another January 6. Social emotional learning is being taught in some schools across the U.S. According to one report, the program replaces traditional values and pushes gender ideology. We start the evening with some breaking news. Adnan Syed, who was convicted in 2000 of murdering his ex-girlfriend, is released from prison. A circuit court judge in Baltimore, Maryland, overturned the conviction earlier today, citing new evidence. Syed, who is now 41 years old, has spent over two decades behind bars for the death of Heyman Lee in 1999. The case was chronicled in the hit podcast Serial, a true crime series. Syed is now in home detention with GPS location monitoring. The judge said the state must either seek a new trial date or dismiss the case within 30 days. And after being detained by the Taliban for two and a half years, U.S. Navy veteran Mark Frericks has been released in a prisoner swap. In exchange, the U.S. released a senior Taliban member who was serving life in prison for drug smuggling. NTD's Jason Perry has that story.
1: On Monday, members of the Taliban welcomed Bashir Noorzai at the Kabul International Airport in Afghanistan. Noorzai, a senior Taliban member, was just released from a U.S. prison in exchange for Navy veteran Mark Frericks. Frericks, who is now 60 years old, had worked as a civilian contractor in Afghanistan for over 10 years when he was kidnapped in January 2020. He was believed to have been held since then by the Taliban-linked Haqqani network. The Taliban-appointed foreign minister said this.
2: An American citizen, Mark Fredericks, who was in jail in Afghanistan after long negotiations with the Americans this morning at 10 a.m. at the Kabul airport, the American citizen was handed over to an American delegation.
1: Noorzai, who was serving life in prison for drug smuggling, had this to say.
2: My exchange, I think, with God willing, can lead to peace between Afghanistan, America. An American was released, and I am also free, with the help of the Taliban government and the holy fighters.
1: Secretary of State Antony Blinken said this was the culmination of many months of tireless work by many of his colleagues in the government.
3: I want to thank uh, all the people who have worked on this uh, over these many months, who care about Mark, and uh, we're profoundly grateful uh, to them. Uh, the support that we received from our Qatari partners as well um, was key in securing his, uh, his release. Um, Mark's soon going to be reunited with his family. Uh, the president had an
1: opportunity to speak to them uh, a few hours ago. Blinken also took the time to address those who may be dealing with a similar situation. I want the families of Americans
3: who are being uh, arbitrarily detained or held hostage anywhere in the world to know that our commitment to them, to bringing their loved ones home is resolute and we will relentlessly continue to focus uh, on doing just that
1: at the time of nurzai's sentencing the then top federal prosecutor in manhattan said nurzai's worldwide narcotics network supported a taliban regime that had made afghanistan a breeding ground for international terrorism jason perry ntd news
0: and in an interview aired last night, President Biden shared his take on a wide range of issues, some of which are catching his own officials by surprise. Here's more on what he said.
4: With just 50 days left before the midterms, the president making news by suggesting he might or might not run again. Then
5: it's much too early to make that kind of decision. My intentions, I said to begin with is that I would run again, but it's just an intention. But is it a firm decision that I run again? That remains to be seen.
4: Speaking to 60 Minutes in an interview aired Sunday night, Biden, who's turning 80 in November, insisted he's in a focused mental state. But his uncertainty about 2024 marks a shift from what others at the White House have been saying.
6: The president has been very clear about this. He intends to run in
4: 2024.
0: The president has been very clear um, that uh, he intends to run again.
4: During the wide-ranging interview, Biden also says this about the COVID-19 pandemic.
5: The pandemic in, is over. We still have a problem with COVID. We're still doing a lot of work on it. Uh, it's, but the pandemic is over.
4: Politico reports that administration sources told them the comment was not planned and caught Biden's own health officials by surprise. While Republicans call on Biden to, to walk the walk not just talk the talk means that all of the mandates all the requirements within the military and the federal service they need to be uh, pulled back immediately on another front the president again commits to defend Taiwan if China invades
5: but would U.S. forces defend the island yes if in fact there was an unprecedented attack so unlike Ukraine to be clear sir U.S. forces U.S. men and women would defend Taiwan in the event of a Chinese invasion? Yes.
4: China says it's already complained to the U.S. over Biden's remarks. Meanwhile, the White House, as it's done several times before, walked back Biden's remarks after the interview, insisting there's no change in policy.
0: And a civil rights law firm is requesting a criminal investigation after Governor Ron DeSantis flew 50 illegal immigrants to Martha's Vineyard. NTD's Arlene Richards reports.
7: A political stand shameful. For months, news headlines and political adversaries have criticized Texas Governor Greg Abbott for busing illegal immigrants to sanctuary states. The White House said this. Another political stunt that we're seeing happen. Others called for the Justice Department to intervene. But when Florida Governor Ron DeSantis flew 50 illegal immigrants to Martha's Vineyard last Thursday, that was the straw that broke the camel's back.
0: At some point in time, they have to move from here
7: to somewhere else. Massachusetts law firm Lawyers for Civil Rights immediately mobilized to investigate what they called the inhumane manner in which the illegal immigrants were shipped across the country. The firm is asking for a criminal investigation. They claim the governor's action was part of a conspiracy to deprive our clients of their liberty and civil rights. They believe DeSantis and others engaged in human trafficking and kidnapping. The White House said this. They used them as political pawns, treated them like chattel in a cruel, premeditated political stunt. Democrat run El Paso has also been sending illegal immigrants to sanctuary cities. The mayor on Sunday said the buses help them to get where they want to go. Transporting illegal immigrants began almost as soon as President Joe Biden overturned the Trump administration's strict immigration policies last February.
5: Creating a comprehensive regional framework to address the causes of migration and to manage migration throughout the North and Central America and to provide a safe and orderly processing of asylum seekers at the United States border.
7: In a March 2021 article, the Center for Immigration Studies said a daily stream of illegal border crossers were filling Greyhound buses for a free ride to states across the U.S. The report attributed this to President Biden's catch and release policy. Arlene Richards, NTD News, New York.
0: And one of DeSantis's most vocal critics, California Governor Gavin Newsom, is challenging him to a one-on-one debate. NTD's David Lamb has that story.
8: What uh, Ron DeSantis is doing is...
9: California Governor Gavin Newsom has challenged Florida Republican Governor Ron DeSantis to a debate. This comes as the two states head towards the gubernatorial elections in November. On Friday, DeSantis remarked that Newsom's, quote, hair gel is interfering with his brain function, after Newsom asked the DOJ to investigate whether migrants were lured across the country based on false promises of employment. Newsom then said via Twitter, calling DeSantis, busy playing politics with people's lives. Let's take this up and debate. I'll bring my hair gel, you bring your hairspray. Newsom tweeted in response to an idea from journalist Dan Rather about televising a CNN debate between the two governors. Newsom recently called the transporting of illegal immigrants morally reprehensible. But news about one of Newsom's previous programs resurfaced. According to Fox News, Newsom launched the Homeward Bound program when he was mayor of San Francisco, which gave homeless people one-way bus tickets out of the city. Both governors are up for re-election this November. But it remains to be seen whether they will both run for U.S. presidency in 2024.
0: And former President Trump has returned to his Mar-a-Lago estate, which the FBI raided last month. We also have updates on legal battles faced by two of his allies.
4: Former President Trump returned to Mar-a-Lago Sunday night, saying he saw how the FBI ransacked his estate during their raid. Trump posted on Truth Social that many FBI agents didn't even take off their shoes in his bedroom. The former president also commented, quote, I guess they don't think there is a Fourth Amendment anymore, and to them, there isn't. In any event, after what they have done, the place will never be the same. Meanwhile, an ally of Trump is currently on trial. Prosecutors allege that Tom Barrick, who chaired Trump's inauguration committee, acted as a foreign agent for the United Arab Emirates without telling the U.S. government. They allege that Barrick tried to influence Trump's campaign and administration in the interests of the UAE. Jury selection is set to begin on Monday in his trial. And another vocal supporter of Trump, MyPillow CEO Mike Lindell, faces a lawsuit from voting machine company Smartmatic. A district court judge on Monday denied Lindell's motion to dismiss the lawsuit. Smartmatic is accusing Lindell of defamation for promoting his theory that their voting machines had been hacked or rigged during the 2020 presidential election. Reporting by Allison Lee, NTD News.
0: And more election news. Some members of Congress are trying to change the way electoral votes are tallied. The Presidential Election Reform Act will be taken up in the House this week. Representatives say it's meant to prevent another January 6. NTD's Melina Weisskopf has the details. Congress is nearing the
6: end of its last session ahead of midterms, and among their last priorities is making reforms to the Electoral Count Act. The Senate has already unveiled a bipartisan bill addressing this, and today the House unleashed its own version. Here's what's in it. The goal is to make it harder to overturn a certified presidential election in the future through changing the 1887 Electoral Count Act in the following ways. Reaffirming that the vice president has no authority to reject electoral slates or to delay the count. Narrowing Congress members' authority to object to electoral slates. Objections would require one-third of each chamber to be entertained and majority votes to be sustained. Requiring governors to submit, quote, lawful election results to Congress, and if they fail to do so, presidential candidates could sue in federal court. And clarifying in federal law that election rules cannot change after the election has occurred. The bill is authored by two members on the January 6th Select Committee, Democrat Congresswoman Zoe Lofgren and Republican Liz Cheney. The two previewed the bill in a Wall Street Journal op-ed over the weekend entitled, We Have a Bill to Help Prevent Another January 6th Attack. And it appears that leadership does want to move quickly to get this done. The House Rules Committee will be meeting tomorrow to discuss this bill, and it's possible a floor vote could happen in the coming days. That's according to House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer. Now since the Senate version is slightly different than the House's version, both versions will need to be reconciled while maintaining enough Republican support in order to get it through both chambers and off to Biden's desk.
0: Reporting in Washington DC, Melina Wisecup, NTD news. Turning to education, some schools across the nation are teaching children SEL, social emotional learning. Our reporter spoke with an education expert to learn more about what this entails.
2: Social emotional learning or SEL is said to be designed to foster social and emotional skills and teach kids values and conduct.
8: SEL is trying to give a set of virtues and I think some intangibles to students about tolerance and patience and, uh, again, ideas about right and wrong.
2: Jonathan Butcher is an education expert with the Heritage Foundation. He tells NTD the values SEL teaches can be driven by ideological agendas. A report by the Idaho Freedom Foundation, which supports SEL, says that SEL programs seek to displace and stigmatize the old, supposedly oppressive cultural, moral, religious institutions, and that it encourages children to embrace ideas such as gender fluidity, anti-white racism, toxic masculinity, white privilege, and the fundamentally unjust nature of American society.
8: The problem today is that because critical race theory and radical gender ideology has seeped into the curriculum of assigned schools, that is twisting SEL just like it's twisting history and math and science as well as literature.
2: CRT is banned in Florida, but SEL is still being taught. One company, which teaches SEL in schools, states on their website that they already gave lessons to over half a million kids in a single Florida county.
8: Public schools should not be taking it upon themselves to be adding to the school day a set of instruction that deals with things that are really beyond the scope of what K-12 schools should be doing.
2: He added that schools should focus on teaching math and other basic skills as many students have already fallen behind in those and need more help. Reporting by Arian Pastar, NTD News.
0: Many people in the U.S. now have a COVID-19 vaccine card paper, or digital. But could we soon be proving our vaccination status by the substances inserted under our skin? Earlier today, I spoke with Epic Times investigative reporter and host of Crossroads, Joshua Phillip. He says reports that the government is trying to make this happen should have everyone's alarm bells sounding. Joshua Phillip, welcome to our show. Thank you so much for joining us.
10: Hey, always a pleasure being
0: here something that's largely flown under the radar, a patent filed by the U.S. government for a new product containing luciferase. That's a bioluminescent material often used in COVID-19 research. There are now reportedly proposals to use this product to start tracking people's vaccination status with an injectable that would sit under the skin. Now you've been digging into this issue. Can you tell us what you've learned so far?
10: Well, I think people get hung up on the the freaky name of it because it, of course, you know, it sounds like they're talking about Lucifer from the Bible being like the devil. And, you know, naturally people are concerned about among the religious community, they talk about the mark of the beast and things like that. And, you know, they're, they're legitimately worried about that. Um, and, you know, of course, the media has a field day trying to debunk it and so on. The reality is this. Lucifer is, you know, regardless of how you interpret it, right, right just on the surface, uh, it's, a, it's a bioluminescent material contained in, like, lightning bugs and so on. And one of the reasons they want to use it for these marks they want to give people, and the Department of Homeland Security has filed a patent for it, and there's ongoing research on it. It's a lot of reporting on this. They have filed a, uh, filed a patent for it, and they want to give people marks. And the reason they want to use Luciferis is because it's bioluminescent and shows up under UV light. And so they can scan you almost like a barcode, they can scan this mark they give you, and it can bring up, for example, almost just like a QR code again, like you know, scan with your smartphone. It can bring up data on your vaccination status or any other data they want to include on you. And to me, that is what was concerning. Not so much, well, I think it's creepy, the name of it, of course, uh, especially as related to they want to mark you with it. Uh, but to me, the bigger thing well, arguably the bigger thing, at least the one on the surface. Uh, is that they want to do this in the first place. That they, they want to you they want to give people tattoos, essentially, using this bioluminescent material so they can tell whether or not you're listening to the government. That that concerns me uh, very deeply. They've already developed it. The the issue is whether they will ever actually roll it out. And that's where we're at right now.
0: Last year a Swedish company launched an implantable microchip that could hold COVID nineteen vaccination data. How far could something like this go if it's allowed to begin?
10: Well, I'd say it's not far off at all that they'd make an implantable microchip., uh, you know, of course, part of the transhumanist movement, which I mean, it sounds crazy, but it's a thing now. They're talking about this. In fact, the individual I mentioned with the World Economic Forum has a whole, you know several interviews where he's talking about this, the idea of transcending the the normal human condition by uh, mixing man and machine. these The people pushing these global agendas believe in this stuff. And it's not far off anymore. I mean, even 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 Elon Musk is talking about microchipping people's brains and so on. Uh, the concern with Luciferis and this you know tracking system is not that it's going to put a microchip in your body. The concern is that they're creating basically a QR code that could be scanned and then used just like a microchip would. Um, you know, microchip goes a bit further than that because that suggests that there's some kind of not just uh, not just information leaving your body, but maybe information going into your body. You know, through the through the use of that. Uh, which I think people have a really a clear reason to be concerned about because people are talking about it. Pe- the people pushing these agendas are talking about it. Now, th- again, these are different products, but once you once you lose bodily autonomy, once they have the right as a form of government, you know, programs or government surveillance to enter your body, you know, what else could that mean? Where could that go next? It's, the sky's the limit.
0: And what do you think people should do if they're concerned about their medical privacy and their freedom?
10: Well, oh, pe- people need to make their voices heard with this. Um, and, and also not, not be silent when they try to say it's a conspiracy theory, because, look, it's, it's, they, they, they have a patent for it. <laughs> they talk about it openly. They're trying to fact check it, not on the facts, but on the interpretation of the facts. Your medical data, that is between you and your doctor, and ha- how the walls have been torn down, how, how your rights have been stripped from you, if they think they can push it this far.
0: Joshua Phillip, host of Crossroads, thank you so much for your time.
10: A hey, real pleasure.
0: I reached out to the Department of Homeland Security to find out how the government would ensure these fusion proteins containing luciferase would not be used to restrict people's basic freedoms. I have not heard back. And coming up, world leaders, including President Biden, pay their last respects to Queen Elizabeth II as 10 days of mourning come to an end. And Hurricane Fiona causes an island-wide power outage in Puerto Rico before spinning to the Dominican Republic. Find out where the hurricane could go next after this short break. President Biden and First Lady Jill Biden were among 2,000 attendees at Queen Elizabeth II's funeral today. The service was held at Westminster Abbey in London. Presidents, prime ministers and dignitaries were among the attendees. Queen Elizabeth died earlier this month at the age of 96 after ruling for seven decades. She was Britain's longest-serving monarch. Following Monday's service, the Queen's coffin will be taken to St. George's Chapel at Windsor Castle outside London and lowered into the royal family's vault. She will be laid to rest alongside her late husband, Prince Philip. And turning to Hurricane Fiona, parts of Puerto Rico are still without power after the storm caused an island-wide power outage along with life-threatening floods. The hurricane made its way across the Dominican Republic today. It hit the Dominican coastal town of Boca de Yuma with maximum sustained winds of 90 miles per hour this morning. It's moving northwest at 8 miles per hour and is set to emerge into the Atlantic Ocean tonight. On Tuesday, it could pass near Turks and Caicos. And the Bahamas are also currently under a tropical storm warning from the effects of Fiona. And now over to sports news, here's NTD's Dave Martin with today's top stories.
3: The Red Bull Daredevils were at it again over the weekend, this time holding their Flugtag competition in Taiwan, much to the amusement of the 50,000 fans in attendance. Flugtag is German for Flight Day and the competition featured 42 teams making their own homemade flying machines and attempting liftoff from a 20-foot ramp off a Taiwanese harbor. And although the international flug tag started as a way to entice ingenuity and bravery, both teams simply belly flopped into the water. The winning team was one of the few that caught a gust of wind and went more than 100 feet before plunging into the ocean. The delight of the judges and the crowd. In baseball news, Yankees outfielder Aaron Judge continues inching closer to the American League home run record after hitting two more on Sunday. Judge now has 59 home runs, more than 20 ahead of his nearest competitor and is on pace for league record 65. The current record of 61, set by Roger Maris more than 60 years ago, is considered the clean record. Judge, who also leads the league in runs batted in, is just percentage points away from being number one in batting average as well. The four-time All-Star is at 316, while league leader Luis Araiz is ahead at 317. Should he overtake him, he'd just be the second player in the last 55 years to win the Triple Crown. And finally, tonight in sports, seven baseball games are on the schedule, including two-time Cy Young winner Max Scherzer's return from the injured list as the Mets take on the Brewers in Milwaukee. And Monday Night Football features a doubleheader tonight as the Bills host the Titans at 7-15, while the Vikings visit the Eagles starting at 8-30. That's all for your sports news today. Back to you, Steph.
0: Thanks, Dave. And that's all for today's news. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Stephanie Acox.